God, we are grateful to be in this room together right now. And we trust that your presence is among us. Your grace and your mercy, they've drawn us together and our position of forgiveness causes us to to want to sing and just praise you. You have done a mighty work and we are grateful. But we know that you're not done. You're not done with us. You're not done with the world. And so put in us a desire to, to go be your representatives of light in dark places. Give us courage, boldness, wisdom, and power to do your kingdom work. God, we're grateful that we don't have to do this alone. That you've, you've built your church in such a way that it's in many places, everywhere, all the time. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ that, that share the vision to spread scriptural holiness across the land and bring a nation back to you. We thank you for Faith Missionary Baptist Church here in town and ask that you continue to use them to make Jesus known as Savior and Lord. And God, we pray for those on our hearts and our minds that, that need your touch right now. Give them comfort, strength, and a peace that passes all understanding. Make your presence known and your love tangible. And now, God, just hear us collectively as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So we're finishing up our um, series called Belong, and the the little book that we've been um, using as as a guide that I I am a church member. And if you're visiting with us today, we've been been digging into some New Testament scriptures, looking at um, what a church member uh, or what a church member looks like, right? How to be one, um, how we should be acting and responding to one another, uh, the whole purpose of being a church member. We've we've backed that up with Scripture, and hopefully this has helped us discover that that being a member of a local church isn't just about having your name on a roll somewhere. Um, It really has to do with with commitment and has to do with action, which translates into serving and giving and praying and supporting one another, caring for each other, unifying the body, building each other up. And, and all of this really just falls under the big umbrella of the greatest commandment to love God and love one another. Jesus knew that if we do that, if we would follow the greatest commandment, that we would be drawn together as a body of believers to worship an almighty God and to serve one another with the gifts that he's given us. And the result of being drawn together is the church. That's what it is, the assembly of believers. Uh, we, we get the word church from the Greek word ecclesia. And when Jesus used this word ecclesia, it, it wasn't new to him. He didn't create it. I mean, it was a common word back then that, that would have been used consistently in his culture. And before it became known as the church as we understand it now, it was just simply known kind of or understood as being the assembly of people. And this assembly was particularly uh, that of, an, of a legislative or a, a political assembly. And so when, when Jesus used the word, he's saying that, that his church would bring the reign and the rule of the kingdom of God. 
It's much more than just a fellowship or a gathering of believers on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Uh, The word church encompasses all individuals who believe in the Jesus of the Bible. And it's not a building, right? It's the the people who fill the building up and fill the world up. And and the church is constant. It, It doesn't end or cease to exist once the service is over and the doors are locked. Rather, the the followers of Jesus live the full-time occupation of the church. And even though we we put a lot of emphasis and pressure on ourselves to to grow the church, the reality is Jesus said that that was his responsibility. In the Gospel of Matthew, we find a conversation between Jesus and his disciples about his, his real identity, his true identity. He's getting further along in his earthly ministry, and he's becoming more vocal and bolder, a little more transparent with the fact that he is, in fact, uh, God in the flesh or the Son of God. And in Matthew 16, beginning with verse 13, we find this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, uh, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? That, that question is so important, and it is a question that every single individual on the planet has to answer at some point, right? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. In other words, you didn't read it anywhere. Nobody told you this. The Holy Spirit revealed this to you. But my Father in heaven revealed it to you, right? And I tell you that you are Peter. So the name Peter means stone. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Um, so I never felt any real pressure to build the church as a, as a pastor because Jesus says he's got that covered. Jesus is going to build his church. What I do feel responsibility is, is to introduce Jesus to people, to lead individuals to find new life in Christ. And I know that once they find new life in Christ, they are going to be drawn to his church. And what's interesting uh, right here in America, what we're experiencing now, this kind of this fad or a trend is that a a lot of people claim to be Christian, but they don't have any desire to assemble together in the name of Jesus and and worship. And this is really a new trend, historically speaking. Um, But if we were to graph it, it would look something uh, like this. And and, and the crazy thing is uh, the conversations surrounding this decline all blame the church as being the problem, you know? If it wasn't so outdated, if it would just change with the times, if it was a little more fun and exciting, you know, if the messages actually helped me somehow, if my kids enjoyed it, if the services were at a a different time or they met in a different location, then we might attend on a more regular basis. This should sound familiar because we actually addressed this a few weeks ago, right? Uh, with the topic of the church doesn't exist to meet my desires and my preferences. Uh, This consumer mentality is kind of making its way into every aspect of our life, and it's changing people's attitudes towards the church of Jesus Christ. 
And do you know what this, this decline or this lack of desire to assemble suggests to me? It suggests that the percentage of Christians that see the church as a gift to treasure is rapidly declining. People are much more comfortable today, as opposed to just tw- like 25 years ago, to say that they don't, they don't have to go to church. You know, they, they believe in God, and, they, and they've already been saved or something like that. And, so, and what they're really saying is that, that they belong to the church in general, like the universal church that they got baptized and there's nothing in the Bible that says that you have to belong to a local church or go to a local church, and so they don't go to a local church. And I've had a lot of people ask me, do you have to go to church to be saved? Um, First of all, that just tells me that they're looking to do the bare minimum, right? What is the least amount of stuff that I have to do to get to heaven? That's the question. They just word it differently. It's not that simple. And the question, do I have to go to church, isn't a, a yes or no question. We're told in the Scripture that we're not saved by what we do, right? So technically, you doing something like going to church isn't going to save you. So, however, if someone doesn't want to go to church, that's a spiritual issue that needs a little unpacking. In the verse that teaches us that that we can't earn our own salvation, so it's not what you do. You don't have to go to church. We also learn that our salvation is a gift. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God. The saving grace of God is what sets us free from sin and death. It moves us from darkness to light, from guilt and shame to peace and joy. And this shared experience in Christ binds us together as a body of believers. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, and we talked about this in week one, um, that because of God's saving grace, you are now part of the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You make up the body, and you're a part of it. And so, um, do you, do you kind of see what's happening here in, in Paul's teaching? You received a gift, the free gift of eternal salvation, and that gift includes the forgiveness of sins by Christ's death on the cross. It includes adoption into the family of God. It includes the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It includes becoming part of the assembly of the believers who cultivate and bring the kingdom of God into the world, a kingdom that is abundant in truth and mercy and grace and love and compassion and goodness and faith and forgiveness and righteousness and holiness. I mean, the overall purpose of the church is to bring all of those characteristics into the world through our lives, our words, our thoughts, our deeds. It is truly a gift from God. But if you haven't experienced the abundant saving grace of God, you're not going to see church and the assembly of the people as a gift. You're going to see it as an obligation. You know, just some legalistic thing that uh, you're supposed to do on a Sunday morning. And, And we know that that's not the right attitude to have. That's not going to contribute to us being healthy church members. If anything, it's going to make us approach church with a, a consumer mentality where we're looking for something that you can, you can get out of church as opposed to what you can give or contribute to the body. And so uh, we can get to a point 
I mean, how, so how do we get to a point? How do we make this shift to where we can see a church and, and our place in it as a gift to be treasured? Well, I think it really um, begins with us just remembering or perhaps realizing for the first time where we came from. And so here, here's what I mean by that. Let me, let me read some more of the Apostle Paul. This is Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Hmm. That's, that's where we came from, right? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And you may think, listen, I, I never lived like that, right? I never followed the ways of the world and the, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And this is where Paul does some of his best Teachings, and I try to teach this in some form or another several times a year, so it may sound familiar, but it is extremely important, and, and it helps us understand how fortunate and how blessed we are as the people of God. Paul says that a long time ago, when humanity was first created, it was represented by, by one, one man, by, by Adam, right? You could throw Eve in there. They were a couple, um, but, but our, this generational sin is, is believed to just be passed through Adam. And so, we, you know, we're born in Adam. So um, since all of humans were born in Adam, that means that you were born in Adam. I was born in Adam. The Apostle Paul was born in Adam. Your grandparents were all born in Adam. And so what was true of Adam is true of everybody. And, and through Adam's disobedience, sin entered the world. And now Paul would like for us to think of sin as being much bigger than just your actions. It's much deeper than what you did but wish you hadn't have done. Paul wants us to think of sin as the root of all of our problems. Because when sin entered the world, it was like a disease that is systemic. It is widespread. And, and at, when Adam sinned, it's as if we all sinned. And so we came into the world with the, with the guilt of sin, with the, the condemnation of sin, and with the, the temptation that sin seems to have over us. And, and the reason people do some things that they know they shouldn't and the reason they seem to be, have this internal battle between good and evil going on is because we all have a sin nature. We, we are, we're bent towards sin. And I know this sounds pretty depressing, you know, and pretty hopeless, and, and it doesn't even sound fair, really. But that just makes the gift that much sweeter. Paul says in Romans 5.18, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness, namely his death on a cross, brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, that's us. But because one person, Jesus, obeyed God, many will be made righteous. To which you may be thinking, you know, man, that sounds really good. And I believe that. It just hasn't been 
my experience in life. I don't feel very righteous because I still struggle with the power of sin. And that may be because um, nobody's ever really explained the process to you in detail. If you didn't grow up in church, then this may be a whole new concept for you. Or even if you did grow up in church, maybe that local church didn't ever tell you. And so it dawns on Paul, maybe they haven't been told. Maybe they don't know that they, when they gave their life to Christ, they died in Christ. And then they rose with him, right? And so he says in Romans 6, 3, he says, or don't you know? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So he's introducing an entirely new concept to the early Christians here. And so he's explaining it because they didn't know. And when we see or we hear this this word baptism, uh, we always uh, think of somebody in church getting getting immersed or getting sprinkled, and and then we have all these arguments within the the body of Christ, not locally, but like the universal church of, uh, do you sprinkle? Do you immerse? How much water do you use? You know, do you have to be a certain age to do it? We have all these arguments. Paul's not talking about that. Paul never talks about that. that's, That's some of our dysfunction. So, what Paul's talking about, though, in this word, he uses this word baptize. It was a common word used back then, just like uh, ecclesia, um, but it had no religious connotations whatsoever. It, it simply means to place something into or to dip something into. So, the definition of baptize literally means to place something into something. And so what Paul is saying here is that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you were taken out of Adam and you were placed into Christ. You were baptized into Christ and when he died on the cross, your old sinful self died as well. And sin and the death that always follows was conquered. Listen to how he explains this. We're still in Romans 6, verse 4. We were therefore buried with Jesus through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. He got a new life, we got a new life. He keeps going. For we know that our old self, so that's you before Jesus, right? Back when you were in Adam. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. So what was true of Christ is true of you. The old self was crucified. So that the body ruled by sin may, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And, and this is where, where some people might have an issue with this, and they go, listen, this, in theory this sounds really good, but, but you don't know me very well, Pastor. Sometimes the temptation is just way too strong for me. And Paul would say, listen, you can make all the excuses you want to, but... Because of what Christ did on the cross, sin is no longer your master, right? You have the power to say no. You have the power to resist and overcome and do the right thing. And verse 7, he finishes it up. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And so if you're a Christian and you still struggle with with, um, selfishness and pride and greed and jealousy and unforgiveness and Um, addiction and things like that, whatever it may be, maybe the question you need to ask yourself and be really honest with yourself about is, have you really died to yourself? Have you surrendered everything completely to Christ? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. This is all about becoming a new creation, the sanctification process. You've got to be willing to give up who you are now for who you can become in the future. Because you see, in order to do something you've never done before, you've got to be somebody you've never been before. And when you, you, when you were placed in Jesus Christ, everything about Christ's death was applied to you. And, and when you died in Christ, you died to the slave master of sin. See, in Romans 6.10, Paul just keeps going. He says, the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, which literally means it happened one time and it happened for everybody. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. And you might find yourself struggling from time to time, um, doing things you don't want to do or or not doing things you know that you should do or just wrestling with temptation in your life. But, But here's what you need to know moving forward at this point in your life for the rest of your life. If you don't do anything about it, you need to know this because it's scriptural, it's biblical. Paul told us, God revealed it to us, sin is not your master. It's just not. With a hammer, some nails, and a cross, it lost its authority over you. And sin may come knocking, and it has a way of poking and prodding and making you feel a certain way and tempting you and taunting you, but you need to know that you are in Christ, and when he died, you died. And the death that he died to the power of sin, you died to the power of sin. And now the power that rose Christ from the grave is the same power that lives inside of you. And friends, I'm telling you right now, that is a gift to be treasured. That is a shared experience of the followers of Jesus Christ that brings us together, that gives us a desire to assemble together and to worship and give thanks and praise to a loving and forgiving God who is full of grace and full of mercy. When we receive a gift, any gift, that drastically changes our lives, and we truly appreciate what has been done for us, we naturally want to respond to the giver. And we respond to to God Almighty by gathering together, celebrating, worshiping together, praying together, serving one another, and moving out to serve the world. We are a blessed people. We are a family of God, and family sticks together. And recognizing that the church is a gift to us, that leads us to the sixth and final pledge we have in this series. Each week we've, we've had a little pledge that's in our book that we're following, and here's the sixth one. It says, this membership is a gift. When I received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, I became part of the body of Christ, the universal church, right? I soon thereafter identified with a local body and was baptized. And now I'm humbled and I'm honored to serve and to love others in our church. I pray that I will never take my membership for granted, but see it as a gift and an opportunity to serve others and to be a part of something so much greater than any one person or member. Jamie mentioned it earlier, you should have received a a little packet in the mail um, this week, and it was a covenant that expressed really the six pledges that we've talked about in this series. We just boiled them down to kind of one-liners or two-liners, 
Um, but the, this, this covenant is not a contract. It's not legally binding. There's nothing legal about it. It, it really just, it's an agreement between you and the church that you agree that church membership is more than just being on a roll, that it's about being involved and attending and supporting and giving and praying and encouraging and unifying. If you didn't receive one, don't, don't worry about it. You can go to the green tent after this worship service and, and let them know you didn't, and they'll, they'll have something for you back there. Um, we'll get your address and all that information. But beginning next week, September the 17th, uh, we're going to have a, a membership book at the green tent, and, and you can come in and, and turn in some paperwork. It's got some personal information on it that we may not have, um, and, and make your commitment to the vine at Cabot. Um, that's if you uh, agree to kind of what membership is about, what we've been talking about for six weeks. If you, if you don't, that's fine. You can continue to, to come attend here and participate, and we'll love on you and all that good stuff. Um, but membership is for those who have decided that this right here is my family, that this is where I'm going to put down some roots and invest my life. Um, there's going to be several opportunities, though, to, uh, to take a membership class throughout the year. Uh, it will be a four-week class, so after this big membership push, uh, there'll be plenty of opportunities in the future to take that class and join the vine at Cabot. That starts next week. If you can't be here next week, that's okay. Uh, we're going to open this thing up for two or three or, or four weeks. We know people, uh, they can't be here all the time. Sometimes they're traveling. And so, uh, but after three or four weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll shut it down, and then we'll start offering our membership class um, to where you can go through that and join. So I hope you will and your family will prayerfully consider uh, what's being, being asked of you, and will come, come join us, man. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to go out and make a difference in the world. We're going to raise our kids uh, to be Bible-believing, faith-filled men and women of God, right? We don't want them to just be good boys and girls. Um, we want to speak Christ into their life, and we want them to grow up and be bold for the cause of Christ. So hope you'll join us uh, next week. So next week, the, the message is called Reflect, and we're just going to kind of take a look at uh, what we've talked about the last uh, six weeks. And ultimately, our goal really is to be like Christ. And so we want to be a reflection of Jesus. So hope you'll join us next week. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your written word, for the, the individuals who took a pen and wrote it down, and you preserved it, God. It's incredible. And you've given us your word for, so we can learn and we can be corrected and we can grow we can place our faith in Jesus Christ. And God, as we wrap up this series, our prayer is that um, you just help us to kind of think about all of the things that, that you're asking your people to do and to be and, and ultimately to become. We know this is a process. We're all growing. We're all at different places. And so, God, just continue to pour out your Holy Spirit in our hearts and our minds and um, help us to be the people you want us to be. God, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.